This is the audio podcast, episode 140, Tap Hawks Soar! <laughs> we are back! Um, that was a long Christmas break, wasn't it? It's Tuesday the 10th of February now. Yeah, and I was I was having Christmas dinner all the way up till yesterday. No, oh, I wasn't hey. really. <laughs> well, anyway, well, welcome back to the audio podcast. Yeah, and we've got uh, some changes to the show, which we're going to try out. Uh, we're going to try and have a feature every week, um, and we're going to kind of shuffle some of the uh, the sections around. But we're still going to have news. We're still going to have plunder, and we're going to have a feature. Um, don't forget, you can get in contact with us. Um, email that's show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk and Twitter at theaudiopodcast. Um, we'd be very interested to hear what you think of the new show structure and the features and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, get in contact with us. Um, and maybe we'll talk about, um, you know, links to how you can download the show later because, you know, you're already listening to the show. Yeah, but the show notes are still in the same place they ever were, which is theaudiopodcast.co.uk um, slash show slash the show number. So today slash show slash 140. Um, they're in the same place, but they are in a new format. Mr. Yeah. Hewitt, uh, Dr. Hewitt, uh, Scott has been putting together a, um, a new infrastructure for how that works behind the scenes, which is very nice. It's all zazzy. I like it. It's a nice, clean design, and that's what the audio podcast needs clean design <laughs> so we get so we get started we're going to do news first okay first up is a new raspberry pi which as adam pointed out just before the show started is a bit of a tangent on the audio podcast theme but the raspberry pi 2 is now of a a power that makes it much more likely that it's useful for audio applications i think and i'm quite excited about this as a thing cuz i do quite a lot of pi stuff yeah, and that's the interesting thing here is that it's got a quad-core processor. So um, that uh, the you know there's there's talk that the new version of Windows, Windows 10, could actually run on this. The ARM version of it could actually run on this, and there'll be uh, more options in the Linux space as well. So you know you've got your Rasp Raspbian, but there'll be other forms of Linux that should be able to run on this. And it should be the, the, the quad-core processor, more memory in it, really makes it a device which is still significantly underpowered by contemporary terms, but is far more far more significantly powered than it once was. So whereas I, I remember when the Raspberry Pi first came out, there were lots of projects where people ported their favorite thing to it and then discovered that it really didn't have the horsepower to do the job very well, whereas now it will actually have the actual CPU cycles to do a much better job of those kind of things. So I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been discussing a lot of embedded um, audio solutions with people recently for streaming audio between places and for putting in place kind of video links for remote viewing and things like this. And I've, after having priced out the kind of traditional sort of, um, you know, kind of Cisco-based solutions and things like that, I came to the realization that these newer spec Raspberry Pis are really going to let you build a, bes a bespoke system of that sort, being able to stream audio from different locations at a significant reduction in price, which is quite an interesting kind of and thing. And you know what I remember you mentioning to me, Scott, a few months ago, maybe mm -hmm. even over a year ago, that you were running a Raspberry Pi as an, an Apple AirPlay um, source. You yes, that's right. I, I set that up um, over the last couple of months. Um, and works like a charm. 
I mean, it's like having an Airport Express, but it's much cheaper, and you have to have a bit of... You don't have to have coding chops. You have to know how to use the terminal and stuff, but there are actually guides online that you can follow that make it very easy, so... And even if you're not doing a lot of stuff with coding and just having the insight that this terminal stuff is available is, you know, rewarding, if not empowering, and that's kind of the point of the Raspberry Pi project, I think. Absolutely so. Now, guys, I have a question for you. Has there been a new update of Logic? Adam, <gasps> Adam, there has. Amazing! <laughs> and this is a big one. This is Logic Pro 10.1. It's the point .1 update, and it actually kind of has the feel of a like a point .5 update almost. It's got some new uh, some new features, specifically um, creation tools for making beats for EDM and. Uh, hip-hop music, um, region automation, which is, you know, that's something that I think in Logic I've wanted for ages. So automation is tied, you can probably do track automation, but automation that's tied to a region and moves around and copies and stuff with the region, which is just, you know, excellent. Um, and there's a whole host of other stuff. 10.1 um, is already available. You could have, If you already have Logic, you can download it. Um, and head to the link on the audio podcast website to uh, see what the new features are. I I had the opportunity to use Logic yesterday. I was uh, in my professional capacity. I was observing some teaching uh, based around Logic, and um, and I wanted to. Uh, the teaching quality was outstanding, but as I was guided through fifty steps to correctly get uh, audio out of reason back into logic, I just realized how incredibly broken logic really is. Sorry. I don't know. I, I've softened a bit. I do like I do like logic, and that's just because I'm an old-school logic person. I haven't used it for a while. I've been using machine. I've just started um, learning live, actually, because, you know, it's it's been a, been a while since I've learned a new thing that wasn't machine. And uh, I'd go back to logic, I think. But, um, you know... Each to their own. I, I I know how logic kind of functions, so I feel comfortable with it, and it just gets frustrating sometimes. That's are you um the in in the classic tradition of heading off script? Are you doing live via Coursera, Adam? No, I'm uh, I'm kind of doing um, an unofficial creative pact, effectively. Um, nice work. My, my last creative pact was to learn Machine Studio, and I did that. And I will be releasing an album very soon. It's just been mastered um, of tracks that came from that material. I'm kind of doing in February the same kind of thing where I'm doing a little bit of live every day, learning how it works. But I don't actually have an interface. I'm just using my computer at the moment straight with an audio cool. interface. I've got a Novation Launchpad Mini coming, which should hopefully speed up and make it a bit easier. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. Good stuff. And, uh, we, and you know, there are other doors that are, you know, are coming on the scenes as well. There are. Let's move on from Apple to Avid and Pro Tools first. Ooh. Not Pro Tools one. No, not Pro Tools one. This is um, Pro Tools first. Is their new free version of the Pro Tools DAW. Oh wow. Do you, do you guys remember Pro Tools free? Yes. That's what it made me think of. Eight, eight track limitation. I can't remember if you could have Augs tracks, maybe two Augs tracks, but you could use it for free. It worked on only. Uh, it only worked on the Mac 
um, or the computer's internal audio. Well. That was that was the great feature of it, though, wasn't it? Was that it worked on? Just to be clear, we're talking about the version 15 years ago. Just yes, sorry. <laughs> so the 15-year-old version of Pro Tools, which we're now discussing in the news section of this, <laughs> week, this week's news, was um, I always remember it was awesome though because that was around the time where you know you could get G the last of the G3 PowerBooks were just disappearing, and you did have the G4, the first of the G4, but. G4 kind of power books were around and so you could actually do real-time processing like you, you could do real-time audio and then it was always like everybody who was committed to the kind of Pro Tools systems were like oh well we can't because we can't carry our racks around and I know they turned out inboxes eventually yeah yeah uh, but this there was wasn't just, a period where it was like well, that's probably what it was it was them actually trialing their RTAS technology effectively the real-time yeah. stuff and of course, remember it was limited to Mac OS 9. I don't know if they did a Windows version. Um, so it died when we all transferred over to Mac OS 10 in the end. But it was, it was important. I think it was important for students as well to actually get an idea of how Pro Tools worked. And I remember using it at college um, where we used Logic, but they had Pro Tools free because, you know, it was back then I think Pro Tools was a really big deal. More of a big deal than it is now because it had such a lead, but just because you had to buy all the hardware, it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. But it was that hardware that gave it its industry lead in the first place because they were able to do digital conversion ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. But being limited to eight tracks, you know, that limits the amount of processing you can do anyway. Well, in Pro Tools First, which is the new free version (laughs) of Quail, you are still limited in tracks. You can record up to 16 audio tracks. And you can record record four at once. Up to four at once, that's fair enough. That's okay. I mean, you can't really do drums with that, but uh, you couldn't really do that in Pro Tools Free. You could only record two at once. So, So I guess this means it works with third-party audio interfaces. Um, what about effects? Does it come with a bunch of effects and can you use OGS tracks and all this kind of stuff? I believe the the there are some basic effects in there. Um, the problem is I would always call their effects after numbers, don't they? Wait a minute. Uh, yes, the EQ3 and Dynamics 3 are available, but there is also a... It does also support kind of purchased in plugins as well. Oh, like uh, RTAS... Yeah. That's one thing they should probably switch to just using AU plugins and make everyone's life much, much simpler. Well, I guess they probably will look to, won't they, now that they are increasingly stepping, now that they've stepped away from the hardware restrictions. Because mm. you can run Pro Tools on any hardware, can't you? That's, that's well, there's also, there's also uh, there's D-Verb that comes with it, which is their stock uh, reverb plugin. Um, yeah. Modulate 3 and... There are a bunch of others. It says there are over 20 effects, sound processors, and utility plugins to get you started. Oh, I'm presuming this is an option, not a default. Or, um, but Pro Tools First will save your projects directly to the cloud, securely in the cloud, enabling you to work everywhere, is what they say in their blurb, or practically anywhere. Well, but practically anywhere that's got a fast enough upload speed for you to be recording, you know uploading your 16 channels of audio. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, that... uh, yeah, I think we know that that means um, it'll be a local file on the computer that you can work on, and then when you get the 
when you can when you can upload it, it will upload it. That's that's we all read the that yeah we interpret that, but that's not what people are saying. People are saying, oh yeah, and then you do it, and it'd be in the cloud, no problem, as if you can just switch off your computer and go away, which is it's not the case. I mean, it'd be great if it was, but yeah, well, it's all right. The thing is, as audio people, we know the limitations a bit better. I think you know you infer that from what they say. True, but they're definitely they're targeting newcomers, aren't they? They want people who are just getting started with recording things to to try out this free version, you know, to use Pro Tools. They want you to give it a try and get and get to like it because we all, as you were saying about Logic, the interface that you love the most, I suppose, or the one that you're most happy to go back to time and again is the one that you learn first. I'm always falling in love with new things, but I'll always unless it's different new... enough. I think that's the thing with like live and machine as well, is that they're different enough from your stock DAW, from Logic, from Cubase. And so therefore you kind of have to rearrange your mind and learn again. So anyway, anyway, we're in the news section and we're, we're talking like we're in the plunder section, really. Um, let's go on to our... Is there anything else on Pro Tools first, or should we go to our last news item? It's not actually available, is it, yet? Oh, <laughs> coming soon. It says they're right there, permanent at the other bottom. Obviously. But other than that, no, I think I think we I think we got the core part of that story. Other than the fact that it's not available yet. <laughs> yeah, and I, I imagine the other reason they've made it is to bundle it with uh, M Audio um, audio yeah. interfaces. Put it on to hardware, won't they? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, in in the in in the m most tenuous. If it wasn't for the Raspberry Pi story, tenuous introduction to the story sort of thing. The final story is there is rumors flying around that iTunes are about to buy a big machine or looking to buy a big machine, the label, um, that will bring all of big machines artists onto the iTunes and Beats audio systems, which will be a significant coup if they do it. Who are the artists in, on big machines? Well, the, the, the big one is Taylor Swift. Oh, everything so far by Taylor Swift plus one more album to come. Is the and big was, is Taylor Swift against iTunes? Is she like, no, I don't want my music. Well, no, but Taylor Swift has taken has removed herself from Spotify and Pandora and everything else. Like okay. she, she, like it's one of these classic moments where all of the streaming services you paid for don't have any don't have her music. But if you want to listen to it, you can just go to YouTube and it's there. Yeah, and you get well. You probably get a similar amount of money once it's been flagged and has an advert put on it or something. Oh yeah, but as as you know, like fifty people a minute upload it or whatever. It's you know always ready. <laughs> it's always it's always there. So I just think it's funny, isn't it, how this is like yeah, you know, how we got to this situation. But anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting because you know we we are. The observation I had, and I, I know our new style news doesn't maybe allow us to meander through this as much as we would have done, but it did strike me that we are slowly starting to see the return to the consolidated music empire. You know, this is going to be, you know, if iTunes starts buying up the big labels, which it's perfectly capable of doing if it felt like it, then we'd end up... So much money. <laughs> but, you know, but we, we could be about to end up in a situation where certain artists are only available in certain locations... And you might have to start paying, you know, you know. At, at what point does it become a tax to listen to what you want to listen to rather than a means of paying for the thing you'd like to listen to? It, just, it seems so weird to me because, like, particularly recorded stuff is always, and 
I mean, I also include like visual stuff, films and TV shows. It's so weird that that the technology providers make it so hard to actually make it available over the over the whole world, like with like DVD regioning and all this kind of stuff. When you could actually just say, okay, it's available everywhere. You know, I suppose there are probably business tactics involved. You know, that mm. make it like some people have to go and get the Japanese version because it's got special artwork and these extra three tracks and all this kind of stuff. But um, life could be so much easier. It it is interesting. I've I've been I've been spending a lot of time reading, well, thinking and researching the the success of the music industry in the 90s, which I would, my treaties would suggest is uh, significantly based on the success of the CD format. And the CD format was a was such a triumph because it offered a significant increase in quality over the pirated compact cassettes that most people were passing around with the added benefit that you couldn't really copy a CD for, you know, it took 10 years for CD copying to really turn up in a kind yeah, of Yeah, but you could still just record it straight onto tape. Oh, yeah, but that was when people heard that. You know what I mean? Like, you could always hear the difference between if if everybody's got a recorded tape, then, you know, if everybody's recorded a tape from some other place or off the radio, it all sounds the same, whereas the one CD copy sounds much better. And, that and was, that's the know. funny thing I've just realized. So people used to say, oh, well, why do you download MP3s? They sound so terrible. But then cassette tapes, you know, they weren't the best, and people were perfectly fine with that, you know. So that whole quality argument has like a forebear and and still then you, there's no actual answer. Anyway, so iTunes might be getting bigger. Way. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so with that, we make it to our to our news. A slightly reduced run of stuff. There, we're going to be a lot more selective for the next few weeks about our news coverage. But that's because we want to. Uh, we Sam has been laboring hard. Uh, <laughs> One presumes not for the last 12 weeks on this task, and we're certain that is not the case. But, Sam, I understand that you've been looking at a UVI uh, sound and software's B-Talk for iPad. I have indeed. About a month ago, I got an iPad Mini 2, which Ooh. is here. And about a week Ooh. ago, I got download code to give this software a try. So, B-Talk, it's a kind of drum machine-y type thing, pattern-based music making. It comes with a bunch of sounds installed already, and... There are some instruments as well as hits, and there are loops, and you can record your own directly in. It plays nicely. The things I've not tested, but which are available, are Core MIDI, Interrap Audio, Audio Bus, Audio Copy, and the WIST support. Uh, WIST, yes. Um, so those things I've not been playing with. I've just been using it default straight up. I watched prior to playing with it. I um, did watch a couple of the kind of tutorial introduction videos online while I was waiting for the code to come through, and that was definitely helpful in giving me a head start, but the interface is, on the whole, very intuitive. Um, reminds me a lot of um, Rebirth, in in that it's pattern-based music making, and that you've got kind of two modes. You've got the kind of playing view, and then you've got a song view separately. Now, in... Yep, yeah, so... In the song view, you just have a single timeline where you can insert your different patterns, um, and I'm, I won't bother with the camera too much. It's a podcast. And <laughs> have you got yep. any audio? Have you got any audio for us? I can. I'll. It comes with a few. Let's load up some of the default. Um, so I'll go to 
load project or kit from the factory settings. I think that um, let's go with the um, dark beat because I didn't know what that was going to sound like. And then I have the option to load either the project or the whole kit. So it's got only a small number of default songs there, but there is interact. There is you can buy new stuff during it. So I'll load the whole project and I'll switch it into song mode which gives us this sort of view. We can okay. zoom in. This is quite a short tune, and you can arrange the patterns in the timeline and then adjust the mutes, so you can so the what's muted. The, the, the song mode is essentially... The, the song mode is a sequencer built around the patterns that have been programmed, that you've programmed or just loaded straight up. Yep, that's it. So you've got 16 patterns. There are 16 pads, um, so each pad can have a pattern recorded, per, and then you can mute mute the pads in order to build up layers over time. Isn't it great when people like take the lessons of the lessons of the past like thirty years of music technology and apply them in a very sensible way? Because you know, making patterns like in an eight like on an eight oh eight or something like that was always awesome, but making a song with it was always really hard work. Because whereas you know there, that's that's that great answer, isn't it? You know, have the nice kind of pattern built thing but then switch into that sort of time sequence time based sequencer to get that kind of layout that's nice. sorry Sam anyway I was no, just reflecting on that that's it. I've, a way more cool thing to um, so that's the song word I've, I've skipped out of this I've made a new thing and the ability to record samples as well as load them in per pad so I can let's see if this will work yeah that works as far as camera okay so selecting a pad I could go into the browser and browse through and choose a sound you can load it in as it's playing, so if you've got a pattern recorded, you can try out the different songs while it's playing. But if I exit this, okay, I seem to have loaded an instrument there. I'll leave it there, I'll get a new pad, and I can go to record, hit record, hit stop, and then, yep, save as the default name will do. Record, record, record. And we can edit the sample so that it come in where we want. Board, 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 board. Um, and then... Um, no, no, let's not live code this up, but you get the idea. It's quite quick to do things. Um, you've got an ADSR control on there. And then in the edit settings, we've got a gain control, pan, pitch, up and down. It can go plus minus two octaves on that slider. And then we've got a high pass filter, a low pass filter, reverb, and delay sendings. This is, it's cool that you've got those features, but the way that the text label is placed underneath each slider, meaning that here, for example, we've got the pan text label in between the in between the pan and the pitch, which are both bipolar sliders, so they look the same. Um, yeah, I would often, if I wanted to pitch it, I would. Yeah, it's it's a little bit confusing. You have to kind of remember that. That's the only thing that kind of threw me a few times until I got used to it. But yeah, very fun to play with. Good for on the train. I found classic um, music concrete layering of noisy train sounds whilst on the way home yesterday was a lot of fun. And I've, I think, I, mean, I don't know if I've already come up with this, but really now I have like a first-hand response to Scott Hewitt's Why Do We Need All This Music Making on the iPad? <laughs> yes! <laughs> and the answer is music-ing is something that we do. Listening to music is enjoyable and, you know, should continue. People should 
spend millions of pounds on studios and time and equipment and production to make records you want to hear again and again, the same tune again and again. It's time, there's, there's space for that in our lives. But actually doing the music is something that is very um, enjoyable and rewarding in of itself and how good the output sounds doesn't really matter it's the act of process of doing it so yeah <sighs> but then of course see this goes into my my thought that I mean how how good is it how good is Beat Hawk at actually could you use it to create a, a finished product that sounded decent yes because it has the most wonderful export features once you've got your song arranged so you've made your patterns and then you've arrange that pattern in time with different mutes coming in and out and then you can hit export and that gives you um, I can't export this because there's no pattern um, it gives you three options there's a MIDI export which is perhaps cool there's export mix which will give you a WAV file I think of it um, yep. and there's also an export multiple and what that will do is it will export each pad it will export the whole song as the song is arranged but with a WAV file per pad and it will, and and then, it, and in addition to that, any samples that you've recorded in yourself, it will export the, the raw sample. So mm. that means that you can then bring those in via the iTunes interrupt file sharing thing. You can get those files out and import them into whatever software you want. A stem, basically. With uh, Dropbox or anything like that. Um, I don't think it does. No, I think that currently it's just the only way to get the audio out is via the iTunes share thing. Okay, well, that's not so bad. And um, but I mean that's the interesting thing. So, on its on its, if you just had that, you probably couldn't make a finished product. But you can use it as the basis to create the thing. You put it into your home studio, and then you basically mix it there and kind of finish it off at home. It's it seems to it seems to be the case that. That's, like that. So I suspect the notion of whether you can make a finished product is what you determine the finished product to be. Because I suspect if you were just wanting to put together some sort of, you know, if you were just wanting to put together some sort of kind of drum grooves of some for some sort of task, then you would be able to get that. You would be able to get that finished as an exported item, wouldn't you? But if you were then wanting to integrate that drum, those drums into a more developed, a more fully featured song, you'd have that that greater requirement. Wouldn't well, you? yeah, yeah. But I mean, this is where I think the iPad has been for a little while now, it's powerful enough for you to actually create the material. And you know what? That's actually the that's the the, the hurdle for like it's been mm. for me. Rather than getting the time to you know be at home and then start up Logic and then try and create a track, is is to actually just be able to come up with some basic building block material that you can then take on to the next level, develop it a bit more, and then you, you can build it up. That's what the iPad allows you to do. And it sounds like Beathawk is, is very good at it. Now, um, are there ex expansions? Like, what, what kind of sound sources, apart from... It's, it'll have some inbuilt libraries, I guess, and you can do some sampling there, live sampling. Yep, and it has... Um, you can, if we... There is in-app purchases for more sound banks that are available in various styles and instruments, it, as well as the pad interface. There is um, there's a volume option. So for the selected pad, we've got 16 levels of velocity, I suppose, so you can play your pad instead of 
mm-hmm. single velocity you can that's good. some expression on there it is good and um, then we've got a pitch interface where we've got two octaves of piano keys I suppose so you can play in things and that's I suppose the, and the default instruments some of them are quite good um, others are perhaps would need some tweaking so it'd be useful I mean you know musical preference and all but the so say for example using a basic piano sound on it you're not going to get a as Scott was saying finished product piano sound there but you does give you the, you could export the MIDI and then use that yeah later so I feel as I was the uh, an appropriate kind of talking point, you were right to bounce the idea off them entirely. So I feel I just want to I want the opportunity to clarify my point. And I I think what you have here is a is a great use you know is a great use of the kind of iPad interface and iPad for that kind of thing. And when you have a when you have a device folk when you have a an application focused around doing something, has Scott disconnected? A, have I? With a well crafted interface, it works quite well, doesn't it? Oh, I think we're having a hangout fail. I'm still in here, but they may not be. Adam, have you gone as well? <gasps> I see if they make it back into the hangout, guys. What I was just saying there. I'm okay. I'm back. Carry on. What, what I what I was just saying was that I think when you have an application focused around doing a task in the way that this is, it generally works really well. But the problem for me that never works on iPads is when you have applications focused around doing multiple things because. You can't get that easy overarching view of everything that's going on just because you run out of the screen real estate to be able to, you know, to, be able to do that. So I think that's quite often that's often the problem that I have in terms of working with that. There you go. Um, I have to admit I didn't hear any any of that because the hangout was all choppy. So um... that's okay. I heard most of that. Hopefully, it recorded fine. Um, some seems to be the case sometimes that the hangout can cope with recording, but not real time. I don't know. Shall we summarize then? Go for it. Yes. Okay. Beat Talk from UVI. It's about five pounds or something. Five dollars, perhaps four ninety nine, and it does one. It does one thing. One, one type of thing very well. It's not trying to be everything. It's not an all singing, all dancing DAW, but it is a intuitive and powerful way of doing pattern based music making. Cool. Nice summary. Like it. Thank you. Like it a lot. Well, of course, we have the link to to Beathawk on the audio podcast website, theaudiopodcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash one four zero. Indeed so. Indeed so. So I have a final question for you guys. Are you ready this here? Okay. What do Queen, Tupac, Diana Ross, and Journey all have in common? Uh, well, let's see. Um, it can't be that they were all shot because um, Queen weren't all shot. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Well, a, 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 the answer to this question is in a list compiled by Digital Music News that none of them won a Grammy. <gasps> oh, my and, God. And that marks the beginning and the conclusion of this week's plunder. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, but I was going to ask, is that actually linked to the uh, Kanye West thing that happened at the Grammys, just that, just like the other day? Um, today, you know what that is? today has been my first exposure to Grammys of this year, and that my first exposure was um, a friend on the Facebook saying, Posting a story to do with Beck having never got one, um, which I don't think is on this list of 57 people. No, no, so no. I, I don't know if it's that. But I don't know if Beck ever did get one, but he did get one 
in the, was it yesterday or I think it was yesterday or the day before? No, Sunday. It's not Sunday. It was on Sunday. Beck got best album, but oh, okay. um, but Kanye West was like, no, no, Beyonce's album was the best, and so he got up on stage, which he actually did several years ago as well, um, f- with Beyonce for the same reason. He got up to say, no, you should give that to Beyonce because Beyonce's album was the best. Um, and I saw a bit of uh, a bit of backlash on Facebook about it. People saying that Kanye West is a douchebag. Is am I allowed to say that? <laughs> just did. I, I we you just did. I think you're stretching it. I, I think you should you know be, be careful not to go further with the. Okay, with I won't go any further with that. But uh, they they were coming down on the side of Beck. Um, I haven't heard either album, so I can't really say. Um, but um, yeah. Whatever, I didn't know if that was linked to um, the, the story that you put up. No, I, I, I came to the conclusion that I wasn't interested in the story that you've just reported as news. But <laughs> in, in the process of not being interested in that, I did come across this list of people who hadn't won a Grammy, and I thought that was a, uh, an appropriately fun aside for us. Here's a I list of the fact that, that that you have a process of not being interested in something that led you somewhere. It's like usually if you're not interested in something, that's it. It just disappears. But no, you weren't interested enough to go and do something related to it. So you weren't uninterested. You were anti-interested. <laughs> indeed so. Indeed so. Post-interested. <laughs> ah, brilliant. Anyway, so that's the only uh, plunder um, this week. Um, and that brings us to to the end of this week's show. Then end of the show. That, 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 that's that's all there is to it. So um, this has been the audio podcast, episode one hundred and forty. Tap Hawks Soar. You can find us on iTunes, YouTube, GPodder, Stitcher, and any other podcast client you you wish to point at the link will arrive for you as you wish. There you go. And there's all, the audio podcast is free to enjoy, mm-hmm. listen to. And if you want to, if you want to email us, or we didn't do any of the responses, Adam, how could they contact us? Uh, well, I did. I did do this earlier. Um, at, at the audio. Gotta go. Bye. Oh, Sam's got to go. Bye, Sam. Show, show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk for the email, and uh, if you want to get in contact on Twitter, it's at theaudiopodcast. With that, we brought it to the end of this week's show. I've been, well, I've been Scott Hewitt. Sam Freeman was here momentarily ago, momentarily, but has vanished in a haste. Yes, um, but we shall be back, I guess, next week, yeah? Yeah, next week, and for sure. Have we, got, have we got a feature lined up? Oh, I don't think so, not yet. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll pick a feature. I guess it's fair. We should probably rotate it, so we do... Um, one each and then we rotate and we keep on going like that so it'll be from either myself or Scott indeed so indeed so what it might be it might be an interview it might be a review it might be a uh, it might be a hmm I wonder because it might be anything it could even be a big discussion about a topic ooh that might be fun anyway so uh, thank you for listening to Audio Podcast and you know we'll love to have you back for the next show bye bye